Thank you, guys. That can not only be a declaration, that could be a question. What is your story? What is your song? What is it that you find yourself repeating over and over, singing day in and day out? As I was uh, praying, and you could get a, uh, a line into my thought tonight, uh, it blessed my heart as Jim was leading us through these songs. It is so biblical, not just the content of the songs, but as the family of God gathers together, lifting up in song who He is, what He has done, and what He is going to do. We want to continue tonight in something that is not an invention of Grace Point or the Church of the Nazarene or any Christian of our century, but from generation to generation to generation, at the instruction of the Lord, His people have gathered together to hear His Word. Lord, we come to you now, and through the miracle of preaching, we ask that you would speak directly to us. Lord, as we say often, we're not here to hear from one man or one woman, but we are here to hear from you. So would you breathe on your word again? Holy Spirit, would you illuminate in our heart, not just something new or catchy that we can kind of take as a a trivial answer but lord would you stir up in us the very nourishment the food that we need tonight it's in your name we pray amen and amen well we've been in this series uh, on romans chapter 12 we're calling it r12 and and we've been looking at what it means to be an authentic christian uh, the way that romans chapter 12 talks about and and seeing the parallel of different bible stories through the old testament that this is not just a one covenant thing it's the the first and the second covenant all wrapped in together on what god has given to us and this calling to be a follower of him take your bible and turn with me to romans chapter 12 look at verse 3 and then we're going to Flip to the left and go to Exodus. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we find these words from Paul. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given to you. Tonight we're going to answer a question together. It's a very personal question. It's one that we all ask unconsciously, maybe consciously sometimes, but for sure unconsciously we find ourselves asking this question. But often this question doesn't quite come to the surface where we're always aware of it. The question is this, who do you really think that you are? Not, who do you think that others think that you are? And not, what do you think that you want others to think that you are? But when you peel away the layers of of your job or your success or lack thereof of those two, when you peel away the layers of your hurts and your blessings, the pain and, and the gifts that's been given to you and when you look into the mirror not just physically but to the mirror of your soul what do you see who are you 
Who do you really think that you are? The question is not one that's easily answered because there are many factors involved in people trying to tell us what they want us to be or we think that this is what they want us to achieve and it begins to blend in and and we often can seek and run after pleasing others and their view of us more than seeking to discover who we really are. So who are you really? If you open up your notes tonight, uh, there is going to be a great help. If you're one who likes to take notes, this will help you. If not, uh, sit close to someone who does like to do this because we will see how God weaves this thread together in answering this question tonight. We're going to jump right into the book of Exodus. We're going to get some answers on this question. and We're going to look at the life of a man named Moses. We've sung about his journey and the journey he's led his people in, but we're going to dive in deep and to see what this journey that God led him on, how it not only helped him see who he was, but how it can help us identify who we are. At one point, Moses thought way too highly of himself. At other points, he thought way too low of himself. Both places, he almost blew it, almost missed God's plan, and we too can see that there's a challenge for us to see who we really are. You see, if we don't get a sober self-assessment and understand who we really are, we'll never really fully be able to follow God's divine calling for us. It's not about what you want to be. It's not about what others think they want you to be. It's about who God has created in you. Are you aware of what he has created in you? The Bible tells us you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good work, a good work that he has for you. Before the foundations of the earth, he's prepared an assignment that will be most thrilling, most fulfilling, and most impactful, a calling just for you. He made you in a certain way to fulfill that. But if you don't know who you are, there's a good chance that you and I could miss it. Moses almost missed it. Now in your notes, look at this first statement. It's Moses' journey reveals how to come to grips with the real you. We're going to look at his real life experience and see not just what this meant for Moses, but what it reveals to us about ourselves and how his journey, if, you, if you'd like to underline there, underline that word journey. Because it is a journey. It's not just a sprint. It's not just a one-time moment. It's an ongoing process that happens, and it reveals how we can come to grips with the real you, the real me. It's not just this one-time thing. It's one experience upon another, upon another, upon another, that reveals to us what God has done and what He is doing. You see, Moses' parents, his childhood, his education, his experiences were God's preparation for him to fulfill his, design, his divine assignment. The things that happened to him, some good, some bad, they were not just randomly thrown together. The Lord used them all to prepare Moses for this divine assignment. That's what we find in Exodus chapter 2. And just like Moses, your upbringing, your parents, your education, some good, some maybe not so good, the Lord uses it all to prepare you for the work that he has called you to do as well. Second, we find that Moses' warped view of himself, too high of himself here, prevented him from fulfilling God's purpose for his life. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, been to a, a carnival or to an amusement park where they have those mirrors, like the funhouse mirrors. They're all warped. You know, you stand in front of some and you feel really, really good about yourself. You go, you know what? I should have eaten whatever I wanted to for dinner. I just look so thin and trim. And others, you stand in front of them and you just begin to go, whoa, I'm short and wide. And, and there's not reality. And sometimes we get this idea that just because there's these distorted, skewed mirrors reflecting to us, well, then there must be no way to figure out how I really am. And so we just begin to reject, well, I'm not that and I'm not that, and so it doesn't really matter. But yet there is a way, we'll find before we're done tonight, how we can get a very clear, accurate picture of who we are. Well, Moses had this warped, skewed, distorted, funhouse mirror view of himself where he saw himself more highly than he ought to. Let's pick up in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11. Here's what it says. Many years later, in the Bible they skip from, from one age to another pretty fast. We go from an infant to being 40 years old here pretty quick. But it says, Moses had grown up and he went out to visit his people, the Israelites. And he saw how they were being forced to do labor. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the Hebrew slaves. After looking around to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day, as Moses was out visiting his people again, now we see here, remember, that Moses, he was a Hebrew. Even though he grew up in Pharaoh's home, he had these roots. He had this connection to the Hebrew people, and he was concerned for his fellow Hebrews. He's now been elevated to this high place of leadership, and he's he's just underneath the authority of Pharaoh. He's the next guy in line there in authority, and, and he sees these two Hebrews arguing as we read on. And he goes up to confront them, just like he did the other day. And he says, what's wrong? What are you doing hitting your neighbor like that? And then, get this, he's also asking this question, who do you think you are? Who who are you to, to hit your neighbor like that? Now, it's an interesting question. Who do you think you are? This tone, this idea comes out of Moses' mouth. It comes out of the mouth of those who are going to be questioning him the man replied who appointed you prince or judge do you plan to kill me as you killed the egyptian yesterday moses was badly frightened because he realized that everyone knew what he had done and sure enough when pharaoh heard about it he gave orders to have moses arrested and killed but moses fled from pharaoh and escaped to the land of midian you see moses here we have evidence that he thought too highly of himself And here's what's interesting about this. It's true not only of Moses, but it's true of me. It's true of you as well. Sometimes we get our assignment right. We get the calling from God right. This is what I'm supposed to do. But we try to do it in our own energy, our own strength. See, Moses basically thought, I'm capable. I'm able. I'm educated. I have this position. You know what? I'm the one who calls the shots here in the absence of Pharaoh. I'm going to take care of it myself. Hey guys, what are you doing? He had so much confidence in himself. He had this warped view of who he was. He had power. He had prestige. He believed that he called all the shots. His abilities, his education, his background gave him the right to call the shots. He tried to do God's will his way. And because of that, he had this overinflated view of himself. And he almost missed God's plan for his life. 
And that's true of you and me as well. Think about this. How many times have we thought, well, I, I may have the education, I, I may have had this job, I have moved up in the world, I did this, and, and I've spent all these years working hard, I have this right motive in my heart. You know, I think Moses thought, oh, I've got a right motive. But even though he had a right motive, boy, was he wrong. His methodology was wrong, and God had to teach him something. Sometimes we have to just look that we have a too high view of ourselves that prevents us from fulfilling God's divine assignment in our life. Next, we also see that Moses at times had a warped view of himself, too low of an opinion of himself that prevented him from fulfilling God's purpose in his life. Now, what I want to do next is we're going to speed up the process. I'm not going to speed up my talker, but we're going to move through faster in this passage of Scripture. And to do so, for the sake of time, we're going to walk through these couple chapters pretty quickly. But I'm going to have to skip over some of the juicy parts, the really good parts. So if you haven't read chapter 3 and 4 in a while, you're going to want to go back and look at these details. But a quick summary of it is this. But Moses basically gives four excuses. And we look at chapter 3, we pick up here. Moses had killed an Egyptian. He was afraid that that Pharaoh was out to to get him and was going to have him killed. So Moses fled. He's living in exile. And in chapter 3, we find Moses in the desert. He's tending his flocks. He's out with these sheep. He has a new world. He's living this new life. He feels like his life is over as he knew it. He's in hiding. And he's out in this rocky terrain. We sing about it. He sees this bush this bush is on fire but it's not burning up and an angel of the lord comes to him in this bush and says you are on holy ground as he takes off his sandals he hides his face in his own hands he's in the very presence of god he's overwhelmed and god speaks to him i have heard the cry of my people and guess what i instruct you moses I'm going to use you to rescue them. You had the right idea when you saw injustice. You did it the wrong way. But I'm going to send you out. I'm going to have you be my instrument to help me deliver my people. Now that's a real short view of chapter 3. But we find this conversation, this dialogue, you can see it there at verse 10 in chapter 3, that God and Moses have together. And God says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. I'm sending you to lead my people out of Egypt. Now, it's interesting to me that just a few years back, he would have thought, this is a snap. I got this God. So confident in myself. I see the wrong. I'm going to fix it. But yet, he had been humbled. He saw what he could do in his own strength. He saw what it was to have his good intentions be his only source of strength. And, and when he killed that Egyptian and he saw all this come down on him, he did God's plan his way. He saw all the problems. But now, Moses has a different tone, a different question. It's almost a complete 180. Who am I, God? It's an interesting question. Before he was asking everyone else, who do you think you are? And now he's saying, who am I? I am a failure. You could never use me. I have blown it, God. I am nothing. You can't expect me to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He gives these excuses. And the first of the four is this. He simply says, I'm nobody. God, you can't use me. I'm a nobody. That's the heart of his first excuse. 
How many times has a too low view of ourselves kept us from doing what God has asked us to do? God might say, I want you to be the one to go to your neighbors. I want you to reach them for Christ. I want you to ask them over for dinner. Lord, who am I? I'm a nobody. You you probably want to pick someone else. I'm not as vivacious as so-and-so. I don't have as much hospitality gifts as so-and-so. We don't have a home to do this like so-and-so. We don't have, it's not the right timing, Lord. All these excuses. God, I'm nobody. But God told him, I will be with you. He says, I am the one who's important in this equation. It's not so much what you bring to the table, but it's your cooperation with me. I'm the one that brings everything to the table. What's really important is who I am, not so much who you are. Well, then we get ready for excuse number two. Moses is persistent. He's not convinced and he begins to protest. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them that God, the God of their ancestors has sent me, they won't believe me. They're going to ask, which God are you talking about? What's his name? Give us some evidence. In other words, this second excuse is, God, I'm not smart enough. I won't be able to answer their very good questions. And, and so, not only am I a nobody, but I'm not smart enough to answer their, their skepticism about me, God. You, you've picked the wrong person. That leads to the third excuse there in chapter 4, the first five verses. It's very similar, but he comes at it from a different way. Not only, God, am I nobody, not only am I not smart enough, but this third excuse, I'm not credible. Even if you gave me the words to say, I could say it, it may sound right, but look at my track record, look at my history, who am I? See, before, his overinflated sense of confidence was, look at my track record, look at who I am, it got him in trouble. But now he's on the other side, he has such a too low view of himself, he's saying, what is my track record going to bring? I'm a nobody, I'm not smart enough, I'm not credible. And finally, his fourth excuse just comes right down to almost insulting god i'm not qualified god in my super sense of of assessing the situation you have chosen wrong i am a nobody i'm not smart enough i'm not credible and i am not qualified See, sometimes we think too high of ourselves and we miss God's will, God's calling, but sometimes we think too low of ourselves and we miss God's will as well. Moses' trust in God's promises, trust in God's character, it was reluctant, but it was there. We sang about it. It happened, and there were some bumps along the way, but we see a model through Moses what it means to be this Romans 12 follower of God, one who is in sober assessment of who we really are, not thinking too high of ourselves, not thinking too low of ourselves, but seeing who God is helps us rightly see who we are. Now, if you notice, the next section here in our notes is God's answers that he gave to Moses after every excuse. I believe we need to see them and internalize them again tonight. The first excuse that Moses gives, God gives an answer to that excuse. Well, well I'm a nobody, God. Well... God's answer is this, I will go with you. In Matthew 28, 20, we see this isn't just an Old Testament thing. This is woven all throughout the scriptures. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus says that to you and he says it to me. I will not leave you. I'll be with you. I'll do exactly what I promised I will do when I send you out to my mission. 
This idea that I'm a nobody is only emphasizes that he is someone. Our authority is not in who we are. Our authority is in who he is, and he will be with us. Amen. Well, Moses continues with an excuse. Often we do as well. When we say, I'm not smart enough, God answers and says, I have the answers. Philippians 4.13 says, you can do all things, not on your own, but through Christ who gives you strength. I'm going to give you what you need, when you need it, just at the right time. But step out and trust me. But God, I'm, I'm not credible. Who's going to believe me? God gives a third answer to this third excuse. God answers. He says, I will empower you. It's not about your credibility. It's about the empowerment that I give. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Or literally, of discipline. You have inside of you all the power you need to fulfill God's purpose. He is with you. He is empowering you. He gives you and me the strength. And final excuse. I'm just basically not qualified. God, you've chosen wrong. God gives a very swift answer to us. I gifted you for the job I called you to. Basically, he says, you want to keep resisting me? It's not only a doubt in yourself. It is a doubt in me, God Almighty. I have gifted you to do what I'm calling you to do. Not in your own strength, not apart from me, but you have in your DNA what I have placed in you, what I want you to have to fill my mission. Romans 12, 6 and 8, Paul says, according to the grace given, he's given a spiritual ability, a supernatural spiritual ability. It's deposited in you that lines you up and enables you to do exactly what he wants you to do. I don't know if this is beginning to make any sense to you, if you're beginning to see the line that the Lord is weaving together in this, but I hope that you're beginning to see that this tough question, who do you think you are, who are you really, is one that when we peel back the layers that is so important for us and authentic Christianity. It's not about what we portray to others. It's not about what we think others think about us. But when we are really real, who we are before God is the start of really following God. We can't think too high of ourselves. We shouldn't think too low of ourselves. But when we see God for who He is, He helps us see who we are and we can begin to move in freedom and following Him. See, Moses' life reveals that a sober, self-assessment is a prerequisite it's required to come before to fulfill our divine assignment if we don't we'll spend our life fighting god on how we aren't good enough if we don't we'll spend our life saying god i see what needs to be done and doing it in our own strength and totally missing what he has for us it's got to start with understanding who we are and who he is is the key to understanding that you can't do what God has created you to do unless you understand this Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. 
Last week we looked at this idea of renewing our mind, not conforming to the pattern of this world any longer. Where does the renewing of our mind start? It can start with not thinking too high of ourselves or too low of ourselves, but having this sober self-assessment. It's not just looking in the mirror physically, but looking into the mirror of our soul and realizing who God has made in us. See, He has given you strengths. He has also allowed weaknesses to be there as well. The things that have come out in your past, you can see the areas of strengths. You can see the areas of weakness. It's important to understand them and see them. You can also see that there has been things that breaks God's heart. There's been hurt. There's been pain. There's been rocks that you've carried and the the baggage you have in life that has helped shape you to where you are now. And God can use that for his good. But what is the sober self-assessment? There's a ministry here at Grace Point entitled Celebrate Recovery. It's a recovery ministry, but it's rooted in the Sermon on the Mount. And in my church definition of what's happening here, it's sanctification under a microscope. It's, it's intense looking at what it means to totally be yielded to God and let God do this work in us. Friends, that's what this is talking about. Romans twelve three is this idea of a sober assessment. God, who am I? Can you take the hurts and habits and hang-ups in my life, and can you do something with it? Now, I challenge you sometime, tonight, this week in your devotions, begin to take this assessment. Now, some of you, when you sit down to think about your strengths and your weaknesses, some of you, you're going to find that you're going to gravitate to one or the other. There's some of you in this room, if I asked you to list your your weaknesses, you could go, only three? I could list 700. And you could write it down this and this and this and this and this and this. But when I ask you to list your strengths, sometimes we have a hard time having a balanced view in this assessment. Just so you know, this is a part of what happens in Celebrate Recovery. We look at it as an inventory. We're actually looking at it. God, would you give me the proper mirror to see life the way you see it? And I can see what's happening inside of me. But here's what happens. If you're a person who says, you know what, uh, I can see all my weaknesses, but I can't see my strengths. Take some time to let the Lord speak to you about truth and reality of the strengths He's put in you. There's others of you, that may not be where you gravitate. If, if I asked you to list your strengths, you wouldn't say it out loud because you're, you're pretty humble in your strengths, but you'd go, only three? I mean, have you seen my resume? I mean... I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but, you know, God's done a pretty good job in me. But if I asked you to list your weaknesses, you'd say, well, in, in uh, third grade, I think I lied, but it, w- it really wasn't my fault. And it was, you know, one of those lies that helped everybody. And we just fell at a loss for listing our weakness. You know, it's one thing to look at Moses and go, Moses, who did you think you were? Doing God's plan your way. Moses, who did you think you were? Seeing God before you, giving you his plan, and you being hung up on who you were. But yet, we're not all that different. It's usually one side or the other that we struggle with, but but our our goal is not to beat ourselves up on either side of the fence, but to say, God, would you give us a clear picture of who we are? So, as we begin to walk through this, We can have some time for some sober self-assessment. But God also wants to speak to us. You see, Jesus knew what it was like to be human. To deal with the temptations and things that we deal with as well. 
when he started his ministry, it was just before he was tempted. You remember that he was fully human and fully God. He made it his desire to say, God, would you help me, Father, to do your will? We read out through his ministry. There's times when he'd say, if there's a wave to, to take this from me, let this cup pass from me. If not, help me do your will. He knew what it was like to feel the need of the Father. He models for us the dependence on the Spirit's prompting, the dependence on the Father speaking to him. You see, Jesus himself... When he was baptized, I believe he needed to hear in his human ears the voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. I think some of us in this room need to hear that tonight. You need to hear from God. You've got tapes playing in your mind over and over and over and over again on how you don't measure up. Even those of us who maybe think too highly of ourselves, often, not always, but often it's a coping mechanism for a deep underlying wound where we really question who we are so we build these towers of confidence or pseudo confidence but the lord would want to echo out in in light of your weaknesses and the strengths that i've given to you you are my child this is my beloved daughter this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased the father says that about you today If you put your faith in Christ, you have been made and redeemed and adopted by God. You are forgiven. You are a part of His family. He not only loves you, He likes you. He likes you without makeup. He likes you without rock-solid abs. He likes you when you have a lot of money. He likes you when you don't feel you have anything to offer anyone. He likes you when you are peppy and encouraged. He likes you when you are down and discouraged, when you're struggling. You are his beloved child. If you turn to the end of your notes there, maybe you and I could ask a question tonight. God, could you help me recognize the warped mirrors of this world that has been shaping my thinking? So much, I think, of this Christian life, the Lord knows, happens right between our ears. All sin starts in the mind. And this is why the Lord speaks so much about the washing and renewing of our mind. And talks about taking every thought captive and making it subject to Jesus. And and could it be that we need the Lord to show us these mirrors, these reflections that we've been using as a standard, how warped they really are. Changing the mirror can be threatening. I've gone across them to how I look in this mirror, God. Others view me by the reflection in this mirror. I'm known for my job or lack thereof. I'm known for my success or lack thereof. I'm known for my health or lack thereof. I'm known for my family, good or bad. I'm known and defined by these things. And when Jesus says, let me take this out, sometimes, even though it is painful, we hang on to that mirror and say, but at least I know what this reflection gives me, false or not. But the Lord wants to empower us to be about His journey, and it starts with a sober self 
self-assessment. As we begin the journey, we can also develop this sober self-assessment by a couple things here. Spending time in His Word, renewing your mind. Spending time with His people, looking for honest feedback. And looking at our personal evaluation. Now what's awesome, we've talked about this before in other contexts, those things aren't necessarily skewed, but we can skew them and twist them. We can take a passage of Scripture out of context and make it say what we think we want it to say. We could encounter people who may be well-intentioned but could be way off base. We could come to a moment where our evaluation is skewed and off, but when we begin to see all of these come in line together, the Lord can speak to us. I believe He wants to give us that picture. And finally, a third and final thought. And for some of you, this is a tall order. But I think Scripture demands of it of us. Could you celebrate daily this week? Oh, I can't do that, Brady. Could you celebrate daily that you are unique? You are loved. You are accepted. You are capable. And you are being prepared by your Heavenly Father to fulfill His divine assignment. I, I don't know. I got some excuses for that. He's got the same answers that he gave Moses for you as well. Father, I thank you that your word is living and active. It speaks about itself. Scripture breathes and sheds light upon other scripture. Lord, as we're looking at what it means to be an authentic, true follower of you, and we see that God followers all throughout the Bible have had these same characteristics, Lord, would you help us be encouraged by Moses' journey tonight? Lord, I believe there's some here tonight that we desperately need you to change our view of ourselves. We may think too high of ourselves. Lord, I don't believe it's all out of arrogance. Lord, as I said, I think often it's actually out of a deep wound. It's a way of coping. It's a mechanism we've developed to try to cover up the pain. Lord, I pray that you will help us have a clear, sober self-assessment. Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters who I think it's many in this room that our natural tendency is to say that we are not good enough. We have a way too low view of ourselves, And Lord, would you help us begin to see that even that, it's not clothed in humility, Lord. It's actually doubt, and at some point it's a doubt in you. That you are not big enough and powerful enough to work through little old us. But Lord, would you help us see that you have chosen to work through your creation. Would you help us celebrate, Lord, in a healthy way, who you have created in us? It's in your name, Jesus, I ask these things. Amen and amen. I leave you with this thought. Celebrate Recovery is not the only ministry we have in our church. It's just one of many. It deals with some hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And sometimes, like in life, we can say, oh, it's for those people where it's that area. But friend, all it is is what we just talked about tonight. 
Sometimes we have a skewed view of ourselves, and it, it comes out in a hurt, in a habit, in a hang-up. It may have nothing to do with a substance. It may have nothing to do with tobacco or alcohol or drugs or any of those kind of things. It may have to do with our approval addiction. It may have to do with an addiction to acquire stuff. It may have to do with an overwhelming uh, season of grief in our life. And when we begin to see a clear picture of who Jesus is... We are freed to celebrate not just the recovery he gives to us, but the mission he calls us in. I challenge you, spend some time thinking, could that be for me? If not, spend some time thinking, Lord, who could I help direct to a ministry that I know is rooted in your word that could help people discover who he has created in them? Would you stand with me? May God bless you. May God allow the songs that we have sang tonight to ring in your ears as it has happened from one generation to another, to another, to another, to another of how good God has been, how good He is, and how good He will be tomorrow. God bless you.